This morning's word is from John. Would you uh, flip with me to the book of John, the Gospel of John? And it is in the uh, first chapter. We'll start in verse 43, okay? John chapter 1, verse 43. And just to review, this is the second Sunday after Epiphany. We're taking a look and reflecting on the breaking in of Jesus, of God's Son, into this world. It is an epiphany for all of us. We're reflecting upon it. What does this mean? This morning we're asking the specific question, what does God know about me? And we're reviewing the idea of calling. Okay, what does God know about me and what does God call me to do? Well, as we read the stories of 1 Samuel, the story in 1 Samuel about Samuel's calling, and as we read Psalm 139, this most beautiful, intricate passage of God's knowledge about us. I was struck about how God sees. And so in asking the question about calling, what does God call me to do? I hope to answer that question first through what does God see? (laughs) A little bit weird, right? A little bit odd. What is God calling me to do? Well, let's first ask, what does God see? All right? And so this morning, if you would take a journey with me, all right? The question we're asking is, what does God see? How does God see? What type of vision? What type of eyeballs? Is it 2020? Do you think God has 2020 vision? What type of vision? I bet it's even better, man. What type? 2020, but better. Okay. Blow your mind. If that's it, nighttime, night goggle vision, whatever. All right. Sorry, Lord. Okay. Well, what I say, verse 40, what I say, verse 43, let's read, let's read together. And I just want to say, I don't know if you've been reading the news. You may have read the news, okay, this week. This passage of scripture was selected for the church about 1,500 years ago, okay? I just want you all to know that, all right? That this passage of scripture, I'm not reading this because I read a news report and got upset about what I read, and so now I'm going to go to Scripture and pull this out and prove the world wrong because of what's in Scripture. This was chosen for the church centuries and centuries and centuries and centuries ago, and just as it unfolds, it is the Scripture that everyone's talking about on the news, okay? It just happens to be it. Crazy. Um, but I just want to get that out there. I don't want you to think that I have some sort of political agenda in mind because I do not, all right? The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, Come, follow me. And Philip was from Bethsaida in Andrew, Peter's hometown. Philip went to look for Nathanael and told him, We have found the very person Moses and the prophets wrote about. His name is Jesus, the son of Joseph from Nazareth. Nazareth? 
exclaimed Nathanael. Can any good thing come from Nazareth? Come and see for yourself, Philip replied. As they approached, Jesus said, Now, here is a genuine son of Israel, a man of complete integrity. How do you know about me? Nathanael asked. Jesus replied, I could see you under the fig tree before Philip even found you. Then Nathanael exclaimed, Rabbi, you are the Son of God, the King of Israel. And Jesus asked him, Do you believe this just because I told you I had been that I had seen you under the fig tree? You will see greater things than this. And then Jesus said, I'll tell you the truth. You will see heaven open and the angels of God going up and down on the Son of Man, the one who is the stairway, the, yeah, the one who is the stairway between heaven and earth. This is the word of the Lord. A lot of people this week, I think, want to talk about what good thing can come from Nazareth. I instead want to talk about the fig tree. We have any, we have any middle children here? Are there any middle children? Lana, you're a middle child? Who else? Raise it up high. Middle child. Okay. All right. Okay, Lana. You and I are not alone. Okay. There's several. Okay. Middle children. Uh, just speaking, middle child to middle child. Do you guys, does anyone ever feel like they're not noticed? <laughs> and that they need to be seen? Yeah, yeah, okay, so (laughs) me too, all right, me too, and I'm wondering, don't tell Jenny, I'm wondering if Ben ain't a middle child, okay, I'm just wondering, (laughs) I'm just wondering, he has a lot of traits of a middle child, okay, if you don't know my family, Ben is our youngest son, there's no son after him or daughter after him, but yet, because he acts like a middle child, he just wants to be... He just wants to be seen. I'm in a lot of hot water. Can I come home? Can I come home with you? (laughs) There's no plans, okay? There's no plans. Why did I say that? I shouldn't have. Uh, All right. So, (laughs) it's going to start over. Ben will do things. He'll take, like, he's into drumming right now. And so he'll take whatever he can, turn and drum, and he will drum until my eyes lock eyes with him. And I say these words. I don't know if you've heard me do this yet, but I'm starting to do this. I look at Ben, I lock eyes with him, and I say, I see you. I see you. And then he just kind of calms down. Yesterday I got home from a retreat, and he, uh, he, uh, he just was running around the house and like falling on the ground and laughing. And then when he would do that, he would then look back to see if I looked at him, if like, was someone watching me? <laughs> and uh, I lock eyes with him and say, Ben, I, see, I notice you. I see you. I'm, I'm not, Daddy's paying attention. I am not an absentee father. I see you. Okay, I see you. Uh, Jenny will do that. <laughs> 
that's my one-and-a-half-year-old son. Jenny will do that with me. <laughs> with me. It's, I'm telling you, it's the middle child thing. It's the middle child. If, it's just, if it's just her and I, and uh, I'll just try to get her attention, and I will just be the most annoying that you could ever imagine until she's finally like, I see you, Jake. I'm giving you attention. How much attention do you need? I see you. Middle children, am I the only one? Maybe I'm extreme, but do you ever feel like that? You just need to be noticed, just need to be seen. <laughs> this is the word of the Lord. You are dismissed. Okay. <laughs> I'm teasing. Uh, um, uh, yeah, I would imagine, I would imagine, though maybe middle children have an innate nature about them that is different than other orders of siblings. Everyone, Christy, everyone wants to be seen, right? Everyone wants to be noticed. Do you feel like you hear that more often now? than maybe you have ever before in your life, that the cry, not only of your soul, but the cry of the people around you, is that, does anyone see me? <laughs> does anyone notice me? The fig tree is this, like, um, uh, it's got, like, this real, has anyone ever seen a fig tree? Has anyone ever, yes, Daniel, you've seen a fig tree. You used to have one. Uh, wow, how does, a, uh, how does a fig tree grow in this climate? What does it look like? It grows indoors. Right. Is that right? Huh. Just yourself and just fig leaves. Uh, I've never seen a fig tree. Um, so I was, uh, this week I did a Google image search. <laughs> And I did some meditation on the fig tree, just looking at it. Just what did I see? What could I see? How could I notice the fig tree? The fig tree needed attention. I gave it attention. I looked at it. I noticed it. I saw it. The fig tree in the context where Nathaniel was, uh, was not an indoor tree. <laughs> it's an outdoor tree. And it's in the middle of a sun-scorched region. And the fig tree will grow a real thick trunk and straight up. And then out of this thick trunk will be these fury of branches that shoot wide, high and long and wide. So you have what kind of looks like um, at the Splash Park, one of those mushrooms that have a stem that go up to the mushroom and then the water pours around it. And if you go to the center of the mushroom at the Splash Park, you can be out inside of the mushroom, just out, just out of the reach of the water, and you can be underneath the canopy. The fig tree has a base that rises straight up, and then a shoot of limbs that go straight out, making a canopy, a resting spot. And in the sun-scorched region where Nathaniel was, this was a place of rest, a place of respite. I don't know much about Nathaniel, but maybe Nathaniel was tired. He had been out in the sun all day long. Perhaps wherever he was walking from, the journey was long. Let's say his feet were tired. Let's say his skin was burned. Let's say his lips were parched. Let's say he needed a place to rest. And so he leaned his back up against the strong, steady, thick nature of the tree's trunk. And he let the shade tree do what shade trees do. 
And maybe he picked a fig off of the leaf. Anyone ever had figs? I had a fig newton this morning. Does that count? It's basically like I was in the Mediterranean world this morning. <laughs> Trying to relate to Nathaniel, eating my fig newton. I actually didn't even think about that until right now. Funny. <laughs> maybe Nathaniel picked a fig newton off the tree. And he sat there as he rested and gave his feet a break. And he ate the fig and the fruit and he nourished his hungry stomach, and he rested. There's a voice that comes to Nathaniel. It says, hey, follow me. It's a voice that breaks the resting, the respite, that reaches down underneath the canopy of the furry leaves of a fig tree, that breaks into the ears of Nathaniel. See, the problem is, though, that Nathaniel had formed an opinion prior to the voice. It's how prejudice works. The way that prejudice works is that you form an opinion without knowledge, without reason, without rationale. It's just you know what you know. You see what you see. You call, you call a book by its cover. You call a spade a spade. Life has taught Nathaniel what he knows. His opinions are formed. He does not need any conversation. He knows what he knows. He can see what he sees. He's just trying to tell the truth. In a world that needs truth telling. He's just being honest in a world starved. With dishonest news. He just wants to tell the truth. And so underneath the fig tree, resting, he looks at the voice. And the voice, well, it comes from, I'm really tempted to use something. I'm not going to do it, though. He comes from a really bad place. (laughs) He comes from a dirty town, a dusty place. It's kind of a flyover state. You can say he comes from Missouri. You ever heard East Coast or West Coast people talk about us? Have you ever heard East Coast or West Coast people talk about us, Dana? They refer to us as what? Flyover states. I'm sure, I'm sure that there is someone out there going, Jake Edwards from Missouri? Can any good thing come from a flyover state? Yeah. We know we're beautiful. Maybe not everyone else knows that. There's people sitting in this room right now going, Lawrence? Can any good thing come from Lawrence? (laughs) And there's people that went to KU that may be my wife that will say, Columbia, can any any good thing come from Columbia? Yeah, Yeah, you know how it is. And what would the chief say? Denver, can any good thing come from Denver? Or New England, right? Nathaniel's mind, Nathaniel's mind is made up. This is how prejudice works. And it's not that Nathaniel, resting underneath the fig tree, enjoying the fruit in a busy season, under the hot sun, trying to nourish his body and his soul. It's not like Nathaniel said, hey, I'm going to set out here to make a bad choice. 
I'm going to set out here to have prejudice. Oh, I cannot wake up today. I love being prejudiced. <laughs> no, I don't know if we make choices to be prejudiced. I mean, maybe at some point, at some point, I think we make choices about a lot of things. But in this instance, I think what Nathaniel is displaying for us to see is the way that he sees. He's telling us something about his vision. That his vision is so microscopic, so narrow, so shallow, so inward. That the what he can see and the only thing that he can see is what's directly in front of him. That he has no prior knowledge, right? What does prejudice mean? Prejudice means that you've already formed an opinion. You don't need to know what comes before. You already know. You already know what Columbia is like, so why would we ever even go there, right? And so the voice calls, and Nathaniel can't make sense of it. Nazareth? The Messiah? The Son of God? From that place? From that type of town? Do you know what kind of... uh, a crap hole that is? Like, are you serious? Is it possible? I already know everything that I need to know about Nazareth, and I don't need to know anything else. All I know is that nothing good can come from there. So how can this voice come interrupt my respite when I already know this is how prejudice works? It's a seeing that has already seen. It's a seeing that already knows. John, John is writing a very intentional story. If you were to read, if you were to read all of John 1, you would notice that he's pattering this story after another book in the Bible. He's pattering this story. He's shaping the rhythms of John 1 after the chapter from Genesis. The first chapter, Genesis 1. For those of us that are familiar with the Gospel of John, how does the Gospel of John begin? In the beginning, okay? How does, those for us that know, how does the Gospel of Genesis begin? In the beginning, okay. All right, so John begins his his book the same exact way that Genesis begins its book. In the beginning, okay. Now, if you read the rest of John 1, you'll notice that on this day, the day that Jesus shows up to the fig tree and calls Nathanael's name, that on this day is the sixth day. It's, you know, Roger, it could be just by mistake that John has seven days mentioned in his account of Jesus' life right after his baptism. It could just be total coincidence that the wedding at Cana, where he turns the water into wine, that that's the seventh day. It could just be total coincidence that that's the case, right? Or it could be that John is trying to tell us something about whom this guy from Nazareth is, that in the beginning he was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and on the sixth day... He shows up to a human being and his voice, which is filled with breath, 
comes out from the one who was in the beginning. And the breath of the one from Nazareth begins to fill the ears of the one Nathaniel. What happens on the sixth day of creation? I'm going to test you. Okay? If you're already in Genesis, look at verses 26 and 27. Uh, Asa knows. Asa, what happens on the sixth day of creation? Oh, God creates people on the sixth day. It could just be total coincidence that this could be total coincidence. So God creates people on the sixth day. Asa, I think we need your help. How does God create people? This is from Genesis 2, chapter 7. Do you remember? Yeah, chapter 2, verse 7. Do you remember how God creates? Yeah, Judah. From dirt. What the, that's absolutely right. What does God do with the dirt that creates the human being? Make statues of us? What, say it again. Oh, I think everyone needs to hear that last sentence. Say it really loud. He breathes. He breathes. So on the sixth day, God breathes. On the sixth day, God forms humankind in God's image. You see, in the beginning, before there were ever boundaries, before there were ever countries, before there were ever even any chance of prejudices, before there was ever anything, there was just this hovering water of chaos in the world. And God looks down upon it and he sees it. In each one of those days in God's vision, in God's seeing, he calls it what? Good. He calls it good. God's vision looks down upon the chaos and he says, Oh, this is good. And I'm going to save you the six days. Let's just fast forward to the sixth day. And God breathes into the dust and humankind is formed. And what does God say to the human being? Oh, you are good. You are. Oh, man. Nathaniel sees with a prejudiced vision, not because he's bad. Not because he's bad. It's just because it's the way I'm trained to see. I can't. It's the way we're trained to see. It's just the way human beings work, y'all. And I know that's making, I know, I know our president's comments have made a lot of news waves. I was not in the room with our president. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I wasn't there. I wasn't there. Haven't heard a recording. I don't know. But it's made a lot of waves. I may say something really controversial here. But I'm not so sure I haven't said similar things. I'm not so sure that I haven't been in a lunchroom before and said, I don't want to sit by that person. Nothing good can come from them. Now, I don't say it, but come on. Are you really? Who's? Come on. Now, listen, if you never sin, then you can cast the first stone. It's just the way we work. It's not right, it's broken. To view the world through boundaries and divisions and to begin to say nothing good can come from there, but good things can come from here. Is that the way that God sees in Genesis chapter 1? 
No, no. I think I'm afraid I'm getting myself in hot water. I had really no intentions to mention anything political, but it just it's too perfect. I think the beautiful thing that gives me so much joy and excitement to preach to you this morning, even though we cancel service at 10, here I am still preaching. The reason that I'm so excited is because, Jeff, maybe for the first time in my life, I realize that God saw me before I even had a chance to form prejudice. See, that God's vision is the exact opposite of prejudice vision. Prejudice vision is narrow, and now I see only what I know and only what I can contain, and it's limited to my small, little, petty. Your mind's bigger than mine. Mine's real small. Small, petty little mind. That's all that I can see. God's vision is exactly the opposite because God's knowledge does go before. And when God sees us, God knows exactly who we are. For he knit you in your mother's womb. Psalm 139, what does God know about you? Everything, Maria. He knows everything about you. He knows how many hairs are on your head. In fact, before the world existed, he knew you. This is the psalmist David. This is not me. See, I got to that point, and I asked a question. It's on my notes. I can show it to you. I'm a human being. I ask dumb questions. I'll show it to you because I'm feeling a little cantankerous today. Right here. This is me. This is like Tuesday or Wednesday. This is me. I write, what might be a definition of prejudice? Then, prejudice. I found it. Preconceived opinion or feeling formed beforehand. Beforehand. If you're a Nazarene, you know we have this doctrine called prevenient grace. So I, I can't read anything, whether it's Webster's Dictionary or otherwise, without reading theology into it. Beforehand, beforehand, that sounds like prevenient grace. And so I ask a question. It's a bad question. It's an awful question, but it's how I got to the sermon. Uh, is God's vision prejudiced? It's a question I ask. Is God's vision prejudiced? Does he have a preconceived opinion of who I am? Before he even sees me, does he know? Does he know that I have a been to gossip? Does he know that I'm an anxious presence? Does he know that I don't have a whole lot of self-control, that I'm irrational? Does he know this about me? Does... Does God know I'm a sinner? Does God know I doubt? Does God know that you fight with your spouse? Does God know that you've lost love in your heart? Is God prejudiced? This God that goes before, is this the type of knowledge that God's already formed an opinion? And he already knows everything about you? And like, the doomed will be doomed? It's a, it's a, it's a bad question. No, I answer. I need to wrap this up, don't I? Let me just wrap it up here. 
See what happens when you cancel church, your pastor just rambles on. Okay. Is God's vision prejudiced? No. I answer, soon realizing I had asked a horrible question. No. God's vision, God's opinion and feeling is not prejudiced because his thoughts are not formed without knowledge or reason. Instead, God's thoughts emanate from his intimate knowledge and love for his creation. He doesn't have preconceived opinions. No, no, no. He has prior, previous knowledge. He has beginner's knowledge. And you can see I underlined it because I was freaking out in my office. He has Genesis knowledge. God sees you. He notices you. And what he sees you is not all the judgments of the things you've done underneath the fig tree, Caitlin. He sees and knows what you don't know about yourself. What he sees about you is that he's formed you, that he's breathed into you, and that you carry his image, that you are the image of God. And that you carry that. And he doesn't just call you good, Caitlin. He calls you very good. His knowledge, he doesn't see like Nathaniel. He doesn't see with preconceived opinions without knowledge. No, he has knowledge. And the knowledge he has is personal and intimate. And it flows from who he is. Don't you know you carry the nature of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit? You are the creation. You are the produce of this dance. You are what comes of God's hope for the world. Does God see you? More than see you, God knows you. God doesn't know what you know about you. God knows what he's waiting for you to find out about you. That you were made for grace and mercy and goodness and love. God knows you before the United States was ever created. So let's just keep that in mind. I, for whatever reason, I just outlined the United States with my right arm. Okay, that's what this was. I don't know why I did that. Somewhat impressed that I was able to do that. Oh, God has intimate knowledge of each one of us. And his knowledge is formed in his redemptive and restorative purposes. Not in his preconceived prejudice based on what you've done, based on where you're from, based on what you've accomplished, based on what you haven't accomplished. No. The beautiful thing is God's voice breaks in. His breath spreads. And he gathers whom? All. He goes across the borders and into the dirty places. <laughs> he goes underneath fig trees and sun-scorched reason, regions. He goes to those who are hungry and those who are thirsty. And Jesus doesn't see them because they're poor. Jesus doesn't see them because they're broken. Oh. 
Jesus sees them as they were in Genesis 1. Don't you get it? That's the point. Jesus doesn't go to Peter because he's poor. That Jesus doesn't heal the crippled because he's crippled. Jesus doesn't invite the impoverished just because they're impoverished. No, when he sees them, he doesn't see poor. That's why he calls them. (laughs) Don't you get it? That's the reason that Jesus calls a tax collector is because he doesn't know us by our profession. If you're working for the bank, that should be good news. (laughs) That was just a joke. You have a great job. Jesus doesn't know us by our profession. He doesn't know us by our records. He's not keeping track of divorces up in heaven. It's not his plan. It's not his design. It's not his plan. It's not his design. But he's not keeping track of abortions. It's not his plan. It's not his design. It's not, that's not what God wants. That's not, it's not good. It's not a good thing. But God sees Before all of that. And he's moving. Right? He's moving to bring you along. Because God's vision sees the beginning. And God's vision sees the end. (laughs) He knows. He is the Alpha and the Omega. His vision does not stop. Because our vision is so jacked up. Oh. Okay. <laughs> I'm wrestling with this this morning because I'm not sure that's I'm not sure that's broken all the way to me. But don't I understand that God does not see me the way that M sees me? That God God does not see me the way that Tim Taylor sees me. That God does not see me the way that my broken instances and my broken problems, and those are real people I just named, God doesn't see me that way. That's how I see me. That's why I'm always wondering, can any good thing come from North Vernon, Indiana? That's where I was born. God's like, North Vernon? You don't come from North Vernon. You came from my image. I formed you before North Vernon was even a thing. (laughs) North Vernon, that's what you silly humans called it. I called it good. I created it on the third day. It was awesome. (laughs) I've seen you before all of this, Jake. And I also see you after all of this. I see what's becoming, Grace, because I'm the Alpha. I was there when you were created a trillion years ago. And I was there. And I am there. Standing on the other side in Genesis or Revelation chapter 22. When all is made right. And I see you, Grace. I see you when you were made. And I see you when things are right. And I'm bringing you along. Oh, This morning I wanted to talk about God's call. So God's call breaks into Samuel when Samuel can't see because he already had made his mind up what he was going to see in the temple. He had prejudice knowledge. (laughs) 
And God broke in and began to call Samuel forward according to his plan, and it blew Samuel's mind. God called Nathaniel, and Nathaniel had already had prejudice of vision. He already had his mind made up. But yet God called Cain and called him forward into God's redemptive and restorative plan, regardless of what Nathaniel thought about it. Two things for you this morning. God's call sometimes feels like a whisper. God's call doesn't always come in the storm. Like Elijah, God's call sometimes comes after the storm in the whisper of the wind. How's your knowledge this morning? How's your seeing? Have you already made up your mind on where God can come from? What God can use? Can God use a young pastor who screams too much? Have you already made up your have you already made up your mind? How's your knowledge this morning? How's your seeing? How is it? Can God speak to you through things you didn't think you could? Listen to the whisper, it's breathing. It's breathing like it was in Genesis 1. It's breathing like it was to Samuel. It's breathing like it was in Psalm 139. It's breathing like it was to Nathaniel. It very well could be that God's voice comes from the strangest things. Lord, would you forgive us for prejudices? It's something that we all struggle with. God's voice can come from the rich. God's voice can come from the poor. God's voice can come from those that voted different than me. And God's voice can come from those who voted like me. God's voice can come from those that live across the black line that we call a border. God's voice can come from those that are addicted. God's voice can come from those that are broken. God's voice could rise up from the rocks if no one else is going to speak. God's voice could come down from the sky. could speak in the snow. God's voice could come to us when we canceled church and we shouldn't, but we did. God's voice can speak. Do we have eyes to see? Or is our mind already made up? The second thing would be, once you're all clear on that one, once you've, once you've mastered that one, the second one is, uh, uh, are you noticing your coworker? Are you seeing your neighbor? Have you sat down with your spouse and looked into their eyes and seen them, not as they are, but who they were before? Have you looked deep into your child's eyes and got to know them, not like you know them, but like God knows them? Have you looked into the conflict that you're facing? Have you looked that person in their eyes? Have you bought them a cup of coffee? Have you sat across from them? Have you listened to their story and have you prayed and asked God to tell you what he was thinking when he made that person? Or is your mind already made up? Are you giving Donald Trump a chance? Or is your mind already made up? Just felt like I needed to say it. Is your mind already made up about the people that you see in this world? God's voice, man. It doesn't have prejudice. God's eyes. He doesn't see the way we see. 
Would it be possible to take the one we're having conflict with, whether it's in the news or whether it's in person or whether it's uh, 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 in our home, and be able to sit and see? Not with our eyes, but with God's eyes. Because before the world was made, God was working on Kim Jong-un. I know it's scandal. I know it is. It's hard for me. And I know I'm going to get a lot of heat for what I've said. But before the world was made, don't you know that he's God's child? That God looks at him. Even if his religion is not evangelical Christian. God, that's his child. God looks upon him. God does dances around him. Not because of some of his choices today but because God has a plan for him and it looks far different than his choices today. And God hasn't lost hope. Jake Edwards sees with prejudice eyes. Jake Edwards opens up Google News. I'll tell on me so you don't have to tell on yourself. God, Jake Edwards opens up Google News. Jake Edwards sees that name and Jake Edwards thinks the world's going to end. Hawaii's doomed. <laughs> no good thing can come from North Korea. That's what I think. But while I'm sitting there, forming all of my prejudiced opinions, Jesus walks up to the shade tree right under North Korea. <laughs> I don't know, it's a mystery. But God sees them differently than I see them. And if God can see the most extreme example I could think about this morning, if God can see them differently, then God can see the person that cut me off on I-35 that I want to flip off. God sees them differently too. I don't do that, okay? I'll be honest, all right? I have my issues. I don't do that, okay? <laughs> can, God see, can God see Ben differently when I might be tempted to punt Ben across the living room? <laughs> Does God see him differently? Does God see my children differently? Does God see my brother differently? See, I might label my brother as whatever I might label him, but God does not know my brother like that. God doesn't use, man, I am really preaching long today. God, God doesn't use language like not good enough. That's not language that comes from God. If you want to know God's language, read the first and second chapter of Genesis. What does he call you? Very and it's out of seeing. It's out of seeing that his work. What does the Bible say? And God saw that it was very good. It's out of seeing that the world is good. That God breathes life into it. God sees you as you were created. God sees you as you will be. The world's longest sermon comes to an end in this action. <laughs> the way you were, or sorry, the way you were created and the way you will be is held together. In the person of Jesus who stands in the middle between the Alpha and the Omega. And it is Jesus that sees us as we are and it is Jesus that calls us why we're still prejudiced. Would you follow me?